Welcome to the Man's Podcast, Home Improvement Reviewed. I'm your host, Gabe, the Podman Perna. Y'all know my assistant, Matt. He got the death card, Devan. Devan, how we doing? Ready to talk some improvement? I am, and I laugh in the face of the death card, just like Tim did twice when he got it. So I'm ready to double roll. Death. I'm dead. It's double death. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. All right. Well, uh, by now, uh, if you've listened to this, we have a, a certain way of doing this. We'll do a quick recap, uh, and then we'll go in depth on some of the highlights and the lowlights from the episode. Uh, we'll get into our favorite quotes from the episode. We'll pick out our MVP of the episode, and then our LVP, our least valuable player of the uh, episode, and then we'll give our grunt rating. And if there are any Hall of Fame moments, we will uh, we'll share those. So the episode we're talking about today is Wild Kingdom. It aired on October 15th, 1991, uh, still early season one. Uh, again, like all the other season one episodes to date, this was directed by one John Pasquin, uh, who, as we've come to realize, is the low-key MVP of the show in the early days. For sure. Uh, um, and uh, it's a pretty good one. It's a solid episode. So I'll give us a, a quick little recap, and uh, then Devan and I will get into the, the highlights and lowlights. Um, so the episode briefly, and I mean briefly, goes, starts in, uh, tool time. Uh, but it, it kind of shuts off tool time very quickly. Uh, unfortunately, Al, who was kind of more in the episode last week, um, with, um, with Lisa, I almost said Heidi, with Lisa, you know, neither of them are in it. It's kind of forgotten. It's very quick. I wouldn't even say 10 seconds uh, before they fade out and get into the Taylor household. Uh, Jill is cold and uh, she's demanding Tim to go down to the basement and fix the heater. Uh, A man's job, as Tim astutely points out. Um, and so he takes the boys with him down to the basement to fix it. Uh, we'll talk about that basement because it makes a few appearances on the improvement. Uh, this is the first one. Uh, but yeah, he goes down to the basement. He fixes the heater. Uh, and before all is well, he hears a little bit of a rustling sound. And uh, he assumes it's a, a rat or a mouse, uh, which is a fair assumption because that's nine times out of 10 when you have a rodent in your house, it's usually a mouse or a rat. Um, I think at this point, Randy suggests it might be a snake and, and Tim is having nothing to do with that. Uh, but he just kind of assumes it's a mouse and uh, he goes up and tells Jill. Jill is very afraid of the mouse, and, and they kind of have a little bit of back and forth where Tim's making fun of Jill for being afraid of a mouse. Um, but she also wants it to be humanely trapped. Um, so he goes out to Wilson to get a humane mouse trap, and somehow in the conversation with Wilson, uh, Wilson deduces that it's not a mouse, but it is actually a snake. And, of course, Tim is afraid of snakes. Um, so that's kind of where the plot launches uh, into the main focus. Tim is afraid of uh, of snakes. Uh, at the same time this is happening, Randy and Brad are showing Tim their new trick, uh, or Randy's trick, really, where uh, he has someone pick out the fourth card from the top of a deck of cards, and that will tell their future. Tim does it, and he gets the death card, and then he does it again and gets the death card again, and um, 
he kind of tells Randy and Brad, he laughs in the face of death. Um, so that's an important thing to note for this episode, uh, because when the time comes for uh, them to capture the snake, they call an exterminator, uh, but the exterminator doesn't find anything, so he has to leave. Um, and Tim decides, Tim realizes that it's going to be him who's going to have to, to get this snake. Um, at the same time, there's a Boy Scout meeting going on with Mark and a couple of other dweeby kids. And uh, they have a they have a Boy Scout meeting. One of the kids picked the death card. And Tim kind of had to give him a little bit of a pep talk to tell him that it's okay. Uh, he's not actually going to die uh, anytime soon. And that he laughs in the face of death. So then when we come to realize that Tim's going to be, be the one who has to uh, figure out the snake, you know, has to get the snake. Uh, it pops out of the light fixture. All the Boy Scouts kind of egg him on to get the snake. And Tim has to do it. So Tim does it. He grabs the light fixture, puts it in a bag. Jill throws it away. Uh, but before we can wrap up this episode, of course... The snake is not in the light fixture that Jill threw away. Uh, it's still in the wall. And Tim is kind of like bragging. He's sitting on the countertop. He's like, I laugh in the face of snakes. Ha ha ha. And Brad and Randy are like, the snake is still behind you. And he thinks they're joshing him. So he kind of says, oh, I bet the snake will crawl right in my shirt. And right on cue, the snake crawls right in his shirt. And they have to figure it out. They get the snake out of there. And all's well that ends well. Uh, so that's kind of the episode in a nutshell. I don't know if I missed any important details, but I, I believe that that was the six four thousand view of Wild Kingdom. Yeah, no, I, I think you covered all the uh, all the touch points, and now we kind of got to dive into our observations, our questions on the episode. The first thing yeah. that I would ask you: What is your stance on snakes? Where are you at with them? I'm a very. Uh, <laughs> I'm, so I don't want to come across as like macho tool man right here. Like, cause there's things that I am afraid of, but I'm very okay with snakes. Uh, we had a couple of garden snakes in our yard and my reaction was like, cool. Like I was like, Ooh, this is cool. Uh, I live out in a very wooded area. So I see all kinds of animals. We've seen bears, we've seen foxes, we see a lot of deer. Um, honestly, the one thing that like, gives me the willies and I just like my toes are curling thinking about it are ticks. Um, because they're just so gross and little and like you feel them on your skin and you're just like, Oh, I have a tick on me. So I'm definitely like Tim is with the snakes with a tick, but with actual snakes, I, you know, I, I, Knowing where I live, I know that like no no snakes gonna kill me. Uh, I'm not like in the Sahara Desert or the Amazon <laughs> jungle. Like I, so, maybe if I was there, I'd be a little bit more afraid. What about you? Are you uh, are you afraid of snakes or are you don't care? Uh, I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't like them. I look at them and I'm like, dude, where's your legs? Like you're just kind of creepy looking, <laughs> whatever. But where I live, it's much different than where you live because I'm further south and we got things like copperheads and water moccasins and things that you actually do need to be be respectful and keep your distance from. So um, I try and teach my kids if we see a snake, if it's one that is not a problem, to leave it alone and let it be. 
Um, yeah. But if I see one like a copperhead, then I'm going to go ahead and kill that thing so that it's not going to bite somebody later. So, um, right. so yeah, so that's I'm, I'm kind of in the middle, if that makes sense. Look at you, the snake killer over there. Hey, hey listen, <laughs> if I have to, I'll do it. You got to do what you got to exactly. do. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, but my first question, too, I mean, so we, we got that out of the way. We got that uh, out of the way, yeah. So <laughs> Second question. Here's my second question. BTU. The kids asked him, what does BTU stand for on the furnace that he's fixing? Do you know what it stands I for? I do know. but I mean, so, again, as a, a homeowner, that's something, like, you learn. It's Brit- British thermal units, yeah. um, and it, it is something I've had to pay attention to uh, as a homeowner. Um, I, I did laugh at that because, like, there's, like, a line of, like, stupidity with Tim in these episodes where it's, like, he would know what British thermal yeah. units is. Like, he's not that stupid, but, like, I, you know, we had to establish the joke that he's, oh, you know, yeah. what did he call it's it? The he was, like, unit. It's the big, big heat unit. It's the big heat unit because <laughs> heat ends in T, so he's good with the yeah. big heat unit. So. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, I had a feeling, like, you know, he... he <laughs> a person in his position would 100% know what BTU stands for. Yes, but I would agree. For the, jo- yeah. for the joke, we had to make it. Um, yeah. So it was like a nice little swerve, that opening scene, because you're like, oh, what's going to happen with the heat? Yeah. You know, how's he going to screw this up? Uh, and nothing happens. He fixes it. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like a red herring. Uh, and the real plot is the the snake. Yeah. Uh, here's what I want want to talk about: right. like the ridiculous nature that Wilson immediately says, "Oh, I think you have a snake," <laughs> based on Tim's one like, "Oh, it was more of a rustling sound." Like, first of all, I've had a mouse in my house. Mouse can make a yeah. Mouse are more known as scratchers, but that's not to say they don't rustle. I mean, like if they're crawling in your walls, you know rubbing up against like you know whatever they're gonna make a rustling sound too i just love that wilson is so all-knowing that he's like oh you definitely have a snake based on that one tiny description well, i don't know did yeah did you think that was silly or is that just me? i know i i thought it was now that you pointed out slightly silly but i think I, when i watch these episodes i'm just inclined to think that wilson does know everything because he does so i don't, I don't really bat an eye at that kind of thing just because it's wilson but um, that's fair. But yeah, that's I guess that's why why I landed where I landed on that. But um, what I was thinking about this was this the first time because throughout the series you got the running gag of Tim hitting his head on that pipe going down. To yeah, the let's talk about the pipe in the basement. Is, is yeah. this the first time for the series? It is the first okay. time in the basement. Yeah. It is. Um, I did write that down. Um, you know, it that that pipe i would love to know what that pipe is because it feels like the ultimate plot device yes. <laughs> like it's just it's just there so tim can hit his head uh because literally i don't think there's an episode that they go down in that basement where tim i mean because the kids will go down um occasionally but like when tim goes down he hits that thing every single time yeah. Uh, and I love that. Okay. To be honest with you. I love it. I yeah. love the like simple like, you know, there's a Simpsons episode where Sideshow Bob is like trying to get to Bart, and he keeps 
stepping on the rake and hitting yes. it. And it happens so many times that you, like it goes from funny to not funny to funny again. Yeah. That's Tim hitting his head on the basement. Yeah. It happens so many times that I, <laughs> I just have to laugh because it is like, you know, a real person would be like, oh, right. There's a giant bar heading into right. my basement. I should probably duck my head. But no, Tim never does. No, but I like the running gags like that that just are yeah. just continuous – things that are thrown into each episode so another one like in modern family with the step that they keep falling and tripping over yeah it's, it's yeah. like you know and then every time phil would trip over it it's like, i gotta fix that step he, he always says it so i like the running gags like that physical comedy stuff um they did not figure out the the sound effect for it yet in the later no. seasons it's much funnier whereas this one is yeah. kind of just like all right we don't know how to how to right. how to animate this exactly. sound yet but right but yeah, i agree yeah but that that was the first one. I think that was the first. Uh, that, was, that was the first. Yeah. yeah, it's the first appearance for the basement. Uh, we get the Benford Volcano Master Five Thousand. Yeah. Uh, I will note. I wrote that you know, one hundred fifty thousand BTUs is a lot. I mean, most furnaces have up to a hundred, but tame for the toolman. I mean, yeah. like you would think with the toolman, it'd be like three hundred thousand BTUs. He was think. So, yeah, you would think so. Good for him for uh, keeping keeping the heating bill down. Yeah. Hey, that's his practicality aspect, you know. That's yeah. yeah. The one thing I noticed though, when he's fixing the furnace, I find yeah. it a little bit odd that he would light the match before reading the instructions. Why, well, why would, would he, you, I mean, I wouldn't expect any different, but just thinking about it is like, why <laughs> yeah, would I was gonna he say. not read the entirety of the instructions first? And then I'm going to go ahead and have an open flame next to this thing. So that was the one thing as I'm watching his uh, steps to get this taken care of. I'm like, why are you lighting the match first? It's the tool, man. Yeah. And like I said, it was like a red herring yeah. because you assumed something bad was going to happen. Yeah. And they were like, oh, no, the actual plot is um, the snake, the snake that's in there. Um, I also wrote down from that scene, the boys open their mouth in fear. Uh, and I feel like they they must have liked that from the previous episode when Jill told them they'd have liver for dinner. Yeah. Um, and then they were watching the opera. So I feel like they were like, that's funny when all the boys go yeah. and open their mouth because they did it again. Yeah, No, it, um, it's true. It's definitely a little bit of a uh, recurring thing for the first couple. Yeah. Episodes. A little bit of another recurring gag for sure. Especially the early seasons. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, so they hear the rustling behind the boxes in the basement. Yeah. And Tim's trying to scare the boys. And he says, I heard that there was a Panther that escaped from yeah. the zoo. Can we just talk about Brad and Randy's lack of knowledge on animal sizes? Because (laughs) what, like, I mean, in what world is a panther, A, that escapes from the zoo, going to mosey its way into your house undetected? B, fit behind the area that they're focusing on? Right. Brad and Randy, like, one of Jill, Tim, somebody needs, take them to the zoo. They need to, like, just pull up some sort of encyclopedia and just point will, out, this is what a panther looks like. This is how I, big a panther is. You would see you it. You would see it if it was behind there. I just thought that them, them falling for that, I was like, come on, guys. Like, Well, also because like I feel like, especially later, uh, and even like later season one and season two, like Randy is established as like the smart kid, yes. like pretty early on. Like he's not like 
Brad, I do feel like they <laughs> make him an idiot. Yes. Uh, and Mark is pretty naive. Mark's not on the scene, but if he was, you know, he, he's pretty naive. But, like, they do establish pretty early on, like, Randy's, like, smart. He knows what he's talking about, so, like, he's not going to fall victim. So they hadn't quite established that yet. Uh, I did – that was, like, a classic dad, um, like, kind of, you know, messing with his kids. Yeah. Um, I will say, I wrote this down, I was watching on Hulu, and an ad came up for a show called um, The Parent Test. Yes. I don't know if you got the same ad. Oh, yeah, I did. Okay, I was, like, laughing that this came up while I was watching Home Improvement. <laughs> because, like, so for those who don't know, The Parent Test, because I doubt it will last more than, like, a few episodes, because it seems terrible. But it's a, a, they put, like, a bunch of parents, like in like a mini documentary and they examine different parenting styles. So they look at a helicopter parent, they look at like hippie parents, they look at strict parents and then, uh, you know, they kind of all sit down and compare notes. Um, I thought it was funny to like see this commercial on home improvement. I'll take Tim Taylor's home uh, parenting style over any of those people. I don't know about you, yeah. but Tim Taylor's the ultimate dad here. Like the Panther thing is classic dad. Uh, I love how he like plays along with the double death with the cards. He's like cash, money, women, death. And he's like double death. And he's like, I like, you know, laughing in the face of death, just like really kind of playing along. Yeah. We'll talk later about the boy scout scene. Uh, but, Give me Tim Taylor over any of the parent test parents. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what Hulu's method is for picking which ads show up <laughs> on which shows people are watching. I will say, just from an ad perspective, and I'm sure anybody that's watching along with us is going to be doing the ad version of Hulu as well. What is the point of advertisements for cologne and perfume? Can we like? Can I like get that answered? Like, can, do you, I, I like, I've always wondered. That. I mean, like, yeah. why are they spending money on these things? Because a, they're the most ridiculous advertisements that you'll see. <laughs> are you talking about the Johnny Depp? All one? of them, and literally any <laughs> any of them. It's like you literally need to smell this product to know if you like it or not. There is no doing that through seeing a commercial. Like, just say ten seconds. Say, hey, go to Macy's. That's where everybody goes to smell perfumes and crap, anyway. So it's like, well, this is where we miss the old days, like when GQ or like you know any kind of like magazine would have like an advertisement, and it would like literally be like a, a sample. cologne, yes, a sample yes. of cologne. It was like the only time where print made sense compared to like. Yes digital or tv because it's like yeah i want to smell if i'm gonna buy it i gotta smell 100 so i feel like the cologne and perfumes miss that yeah. those days because you don't see that anymore. no that's a good point but that's my i mean if we're going off on a tangent on advertisements that's my <laughs> biggest ads. that's my biggest uh, pet peeve but um here's the other thing i noticed they reference uh billy's mom who yes, I wrote this down. She's the one who saw Elvis. Yeah, yeah. I, thought. I thought it was the same <laughs> one. So, so Billy's mom, Mark is asking Jill what they're going to do with their scout because he's hosting the scout trip this time around. And so Jill's all excited because they're going to make paper bag masks and they're going to order pizzas. <laughs> and, yeah. and Mark says, well, Billy's mom made a teepee and beef jerky. And so Jill says, Billy, Billy's mom is a Stepford wife. <laughs> And love that joke, yeah, by yeah, the way. That's a great joke. Because the Stepford Wives, yeah. I don't know, because isn't she the same mom that saw Elvis at the gas station? 
Yeah, I wrote down Billy's mom is catching a lot of strays. She lately. really is. They really do not care for Billy's mom. But she apparently uh, is all over the map too because she's, she's either brilliant or she's uh, a cuckoo yeah. head, uh, according to the the previous episode. But she's also like making teepees and beef jerky, which is not right. easy. Making beef jerky is really hard, uh, and making a teepee is really hard for a Boy Scout meeting. Uh, so my son joined the Boy Scouts this year, or the Cub Scouts. Really, that's what Mark is. He's a Cub Scout. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, there is a lot of crafting. There is kind of like a lot of activities. Uh, there are also, like, parents who are super into it, and then there are people like me and my wife who are like, you know, we'll go when we can um, because, you know, we got other things going on. So I do feel like that was true. They're probably just like, who can we name? Right. Well, we already mentioned Billy's yeah. mom. So why don't we just put her? Um, so, so yeah. yeah, I guess the jury's out on where she finally lands, but she's either a Stepford wife or she's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs because we, don't, right, we exactly. don't know which one it is. But speaking of Mark yeah. Scout Troop. She says, yeah. Jill says the entire scout troop's coming over. It was five kids, including Mark. Four. Oh, yeah, including, including Mark. Mark. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, so, yeah, five. I mean, yes. like, so my girls are in Girl Scouts. Yeah, all right. So, and we know there is a giant troop where there's like, I don't know, 80 kids or something. And then there's like little dens, uh, which are like, I mean, so I don't know if the Girl Scouts are similar, but there's like little like subgroups. Uh, Yes. And that that's what I think that was, but yeah. It still it doesn't small. it seem a little small? It did seem a little small. Okay. All right. <laughs> also, I don't want to pick on a kid who was on a TV show for like two minutes in 1991, but one of the Boy Scouts looked like a big boy. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I was like, dang, a kid is in Mark's grade? Like, he looks like he could eat Mark. Well, I was just going to say, maybe there was actually six kids originally, and that kid ate one of the other kids. <laughs> This poor kid. So he's like, I just did a quick spot on home improvement yeah. when I was six, and now these assholes are making fun of me. Well, um, yeah, I'm glad we're in agreement that it was a small scout troop. He, it was a very he was small, not a small scout, but troop. it was a small scout no. troop. So yes, but. no, um, no. The scout stuff is pretty good. I mean, all right, so we can talk about the little boy Jimmy Wagner. Yeah. Um, He's played by a guy named Adam Wiley, who if you go to his IMDb, he like essentially looks like Billy, but older. It's kind of creepy. He just yeah. he has one of those faces that never ages. Um, I will tell you, I, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Billy uh, or Jimmy. Sorry, uh, on Jimmy. But I'll go through my entire thought process uh, about Jimmy because he plays a, a decent role in, in this episode. Um, my first thought was like, oh, this kid's cute. I wonder why they didn't pick him instead of, uh, Tara Noah Smith for the role of Mark. <laughs> One minute later, nope, too annoying. <laughs> now I can see why they didn't pick him. His, like, little weaselly voice is cute for this little side plot, but, like, I think if we had to hear that every episode... Uh, no one would sympathize with Mark over Brad and Randy. Um, so, thirty-two years later, you're still trying to figure out a way to recast Mark. It's it's not I gonna know happen. it's not going to happen. I know. No, I know. What'd you think of uh, of 
Jimmy Wang. No, I'm with you. Okay. Like, I, I, he was rather annoying. Um, also, the IMDb thing, if you scroll through that dude's IMDb, I don't know if he had any recurring appearances. It seemed like no, the central thing that he was in was one episode, Mike. <laughs> one episode. He was just one of those yeah. that guys. Yeah. Um, he was an Entourage show, me and you both Love like. It. I gotta. I I need to rewatch because uh, he has such like a noticeable face yeah. that like in Entourage, a show where like almost all the characters are like beautiful in some way and like very glitzy. I feel like this guy would stand out. Yeah. So I need to find out what episode he was in. The better cameo um, of the episode is the exterminator yes. Stephen. Yes, uh, Stephen Root. Root. Yes. Uh, so everybody that's listening along, the most recent. Who's that guy? Is he's Fuchs from Barry? If anybody watches yes. Barry, um, but also yeah. um, Milton and his stapler from Office yep. Space, and Office then space, yeah. I think his other most notable one would be his appearance in Dodgeball. So Dodgeball, but also News Radio um, and King of the Hill. He was. Um, well, you can't see his face in that, but no, but he's got such a distinguished yes, voice that you do know who it is. Um, he's the, he's the first famous person that shows up on the show. Right? I mean, he's not famous in 1991 when he's on the show. Yeah, I think, dude, the, but he is the first person that comes on the show that later becomes famous, right? I mean, I, I, well, I mean, do you put Pam Anderson in that? Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, she was cast on the show. Right. She was also in Playboy before the show was aired. True. Um, which, like back then, I feel like did make you more famous than uh you know it you would today yeah. uh, i don't even think playboy exists anymore but um yeah that's a tough yeah. one but anyway he's definitely the first guest spot that like you're like oh snap yeah, like, Stephen oh, wait, yeah so yeah Root. yeah very quick cameo he's only in it for a yeah, minute no, good showing from Stephen root though i thought he was a uh, good online deliveries so i got the point yeah. across saying hey these things, these guys are gonna pop out of nowhere you know for yeah you know he said nine times out of ten they head back to their home but that one time out of ten they show up in the most random places so he yeah. kind of laid the the breadcrumbs for us and knew what was gonna happen down the line so good job by Stephen root yeah. yeah great little uh great little cameo uh he he does yeah he's He's five years away from his Seinfeld guest spot, which I think gets him news radio uh, after that. And then, yeah, he gets office space. He's uh, Bill Daughtry, Vaughn, King of the Hill. And like you said, Dodgeball, one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And yeah, Barry, yeah. a great show. I was going to say, so, that's a shout out to Barry. Good show. You guys watch it out. Everybody listen absolutely. to this. Check out Barry on HBO Max. Good show. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what else? So... Yeah, I mean, like, the little kid's kind of annoying. Yes. Um, he's cute, like, for the first minute, and then he's kind of annoying. And then he's really annoying when he's kind of, like, calling out Tim. He's like, you're not afraid, Mr. Taylor, are you? <laughs> when he's, like, when he sees the snake in the thing. He sounded just like, like Shut up, Jimmy, all right? <laughs> you were just crying because you got a freaking ace of spades from Randy and Brad, who don't even know the size of a panther. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Oh, man, that's a good point. Uh, no, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think Jimmy was uh, definitely on the annoying side, uh, but he served his purpose, I guess. I mean, he, he did, know. yeah. Um, but uh, 
Talk about. I will say that Tim. I just want to point out that the first season, I feel like they really go out of the way to show that Tim is a very good father because um, yes. he handles the Jimmy thing with pure, you know, class and just like, you know, makes him happy again. And then at the end, when it, you know, Jill's like the pizza's ready. He's like pizza, you know. So he's like the oversized man child that he is, but he also handles, you know, Jimmy crying pretty uh pretty perfectly i feel like they went out of their way to like really show that he's a good dad i agree um, so he can stomach the other stupid things first first season tool man fatherhood reminds me of the dad on bluey like that's that's the parallel that i would make so we both have young kids i don't know if your kids are into bluey or oh yeah i know bluey Bluey is an awesome show I love it. It's a great love show. Bluey. Yeah. But the dad yeah. on Bluey is, is very similar to how Tim is in the first season where it's like, he he'll be you know wild and silly and have a ton of fun and be crazy. But then in yeah. those sweet, kind moments, he, he knows what to say and how to, you know, be emotionally connected. And so I, Tim, uh, the tool man in, in season one is definitely, uh, I would say like the dad in Bluey. I agree. Yeah. That's a good comparison. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can see yeah. that. So let's, uh, all right, here's one, I guess, um, I guess error if we want to talk about it. Ooh, the, no, let's hear it. <laughs> the snake that is in the episode. I did some yeah. research. It looks okay. like it's supposed to be a California king snake. Okay, those are not found in Michigan. From everything no, that I could okay. find, I could not imagine so, them them being. So that would be. I mean, I understand. Obviously, if you're well, it's filmed in California. Well, yes, <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> Um, the show takes place in Detroit, though, so let's let's. Do it. But yeah. I also I'm going to give them some slack because I understand if you're working with you know a live snake, you want to make sure it's very docile, not wanting to bite, not poisonous. So whatever, use whatever one you want. I'm not saying right. I, I'm hung up on it. I just wanted to point out that snake is not found where they're supposed to be. That's all. Okay, so, that's fair. Yeah. I will say I like actually thought that. When I first watched this episode many moons ago, I always thought the snake was fake. Um, because, like, when he first comes out of the light fixture, it, like, it does look a little fake. And then, obviously, like, I watched at the end of the episode, like, they do the first blooper reels. I believe that's the first time they ever do bloopers at the end of the show. And, the, it, you know, so they have a close-up of Tim. And you can see it's a, clearly a real snake. Yes. Um, so impressive that they got a real yeah. snake, I think, you know, I mean, and obviously impressive for Tim Allen to be willing to, to do that. Uh, you know, he must've really wanted the show to work hey. to, to be willing to put a snake down. His he shirt. was going for it. Hey, it worked. He was it going worked. for it. Yeah. Um, all right. So do you have best quote? What's your best quote from the episode? I got a few. I got a right. few, but I, I'll give... Was there anything else I you wanted to hit on before we move into best quote? I jumped the gun on you, potentially. Well, okay, let me... So, this isn't best quote, but it is kind of a great moment, and it's kind of a good quote, but, but his... And again, as I've said last episode and the previous episodes, they still kind of are figuring out Wilson's role within the show. Uh, it's definitely still a work in progress. Um, but the Wilson scene has this great little part where Tim's like, well, what are you afraid of, Wilson? And Wilson goes, I'm afraid that we're living in someone else's dream. And when that person wakes up, life as we know it will disappear. 
and the reaction that Tim gives, like this is why Tim Allen is a freaking comedy god, man. Like he's just, he's just the look of his face says it all. Um, if I, I'll put it up on the website because it's just so funny the way he reacts to that, and then he just, of course, he goes, "Wilson, I wouldn't tell that to me." <laughs> It really, I mean, like, you are 100% right on Tim's reaction, but I will say, too, like, projecting forward what Wilson's character becomes, that's a really oh, yeah. good example that he would have used. Oh, yeah. Is, and I can, see, that's very I can true. see Wilson, big picture, saying that in season one at yeah. any point, really, because it's it's a deep, that's it's true. A deep thought, and, and, you know, it's, that's yeah. Wilson. So, But I, I thought that was a great line. I love it. I do love that. I think my favorite, though, is actually in the same scene. Um, <laughs> Wilson's like, they're suburban snakes. <laughs> and Tim goes, suburban snakes? What do they work here and commute back to the woods? <laughs> that's the kind of zingy one-liners uh, that I love about this show. So I think that's my line of the episode. Uh, what about yeah, you? I was going to go with that one, but since you already said oh, it. Oh, I'm no, sorry. Gonna... <laughs> I didn't mean to stop. <laughs> no. so I had another one written down just in case because I figured we might end up on the same one. Um, so when Jill was trying to say that she wanted Tim to dispose of the mouse in a humane way, um, <laughs> and, and Tim was like, well, first you wanted it out of here and you're scared of it, but now you want it, you don't want it to be dead. And she said, just cause I don't like it doesn't mean I want to see it dead. Otherwise it would have set a trap for your mother years ago. And then Tim re- quickly replies, the trap wouldn't stop her. She'd chew her leg off. So I just thought it was a little aggressive back and forth, but it was also pretty funny. So um, it was funny. Also, a rare joke against Tim's mom. Yes. I feel like, you know, a lot of jokes come at Jill's mom, yes. uh, and obviously Al's mom. Like, yes. clearly becomes the the main joke person. But you don't hear too many against Tim's mom. Yeah. Um, she's not really in the show that much. She no. comes on in a later seasons. Um, but you know, it is kind of interesting to hear like Jill talk derisively. Um, because yeah, later, I mean, like the running joke becomes talking about Jill's mom. Yeah. Um, Nana. Is he, Nana is he, just kidding. Yeah. Nana. Yep. <laughs> we'll get to that soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a great line. Yeah. <laughs> the back and forth as usual was great between Jill and Tim in this episode. Yeah. Uh, the first part of the episode She's like, it's cool. She's like, it's cold in here. And she puts her hand down her shirt, and he's like, it's colder than a witch's. And before he can say titty, she she goes, Tim, like just like the perfect like cadence. Yeah. Like again, I like the like if I was watching this as one of their spouses, obviously they're still married. I think to whoever they were married to. So obviously nothing ever happened between Tim Allen and Patricia Richardson, but man, I'd be a little nervous watching how good they were together as man and wife, had, because it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Their chemistry. They had great chemistry. <laughs> and I, you know, we touched on that when we first started on the first episode is pointing out, those are the, that's one of the three relationships that had to work. Yeah. But I do think that, a lot of the earlier season episodes that we're finding out again, I think this kind of falls in that realm where there's a lot of physical comedy again. Um, and yeah. not, not a ton of snappy dialogue. No. Um, I think so much of that kind of dialogue comes with the interplay with now. And so I think that's where oh, so yeah. much of it is going to come with some of these best quotes that we're going to get into later on. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I am, op- I am knowing that we are going to have, um, a lot of episodes in the future where there's a really hard choice on what the funniest line is. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and even with Tim and Jill, um, I think like, you know, she becomes more 
like as I've said in previous episodes, she's like almost like girlier in these earlier episodes and you know she kind of becomes her own woman later on in the show um and so you get like better back and forths with them um because you know here you know in in this episode in the previous four that we've covered she's definitely like a little more feminine and, and girlier than she you know then she's later where she's, you know, more of like a strong independent woman. Yeah. Um, and again, it goes back to the fact that like, she wasn't the original choice for the role. Right. Uh, it was someone else. So, you know, she kind of made the role her own, just like Richard Karn makes Al his own. And eventually, you know, uh, Earl Hyman makes Wilson his own. They all kind of find out their own roles that really drives the show forward. Uh, so these early episodes are good, but like, they're definitely not, as good as the show will get um, because there's just, you know, they're still figuring out the dynamics, Uh, but it's a funny episode. And, you know, again, I got to shout out to my boy Pasquin because uh, the scenes like with the snake coming out, like again, just brilliantly shot, you know, Uh, just the way Tim's sitting up on the counter, like a doofus. And then the snake comes out is really kind of, you know, makes it, makes it worth the while. So, I agree. Pasquin, MVP. Um, I wouldn't say he's my MVP, but he's uh, overall MVP. Uh, the season, season MVP. Yes, yeah. 100%, yeah. Yeah. Well, who's your MVP for Wild King? Oh, I mean, it's, it's Tim. I mean, it's, okay. it's, I think it's going to be the common theme. I, I've tried to not label Tim every time, but I feel like just so much of these earlier episodes are almost like a stand-up vessel for him to just do physical yeah. comedy and riff. And it just, it's, so Tim, Carries the episode, I think, overall. So Tim's my MVP. Yeah, I mean, again, and like you, I don't want to pick him every time. Um, but it's hard not to yeah. because I think, and this is true of a lot of TV shows when they first start out. Um, this is the, the Tim Allen show. I mean, like when um, Eisner looks at like, Tim Allen's stand-up bit on Showtime, and he's like, that's the guy I want a sitcom around, then they're going to focus on the guy that the boss wanted the sitcom right. around. They're not going to get into the side characters as much yeah. uh, because he's like, I think people in America are going to want to see this guy, Tim Allen. Yeah. Um, you know, this is his vehicle. Tim's the MVP. Yeah. Uh, who do we got for LVP? All right, I'm going uh, the kid, Jimmy. He's a uh... You know, just a little too whiny for me. Um, little uh, on the rough side in terms of delivery of dialogue, and uh, he just it didn't hit for me. I'm, I'm going Jimmy. <laughs> I gotta pick him too, and, and I feel bad because again, as you noted last week, a lot of this is about the character and not the actor. I'm almost always gonna pick character unless someone does like an awful job acting that I have to point yeah. out. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a little annoying kid, uh, and, and he's got like a cute whiny voice, but like after a minute, I'm sick of it. I didn't like how he turned on Tim there. And he's like, oh, you're not afraid. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, of course, Mark had to really pump oh, up yeah. his dad. Really, you know, he's not afraid of anything. Yeah. He's not afraid of yeah. anything. Um, but, yeah, I think Jimmy's the, the LVP. Yeah. What do we got for the grunt rating? I went three and a half grunts. 
overall, it was a, a good episode. I think better than the Mo Better Blues of the world, um, but still not in that upper echelon, not cracking that tier at all. Um, so I went, you know, definitely below four. Gave it a three and a half. What about you? I uh, I was a little lower. I said three. Um, I thought it was funny. It's a little sitcom-y at the end. Um, like, I do feel like, they're like, oh, the snake's not in here. Where could it be? Oh, it's right behind me. I mean, I think it's funny, but I also just felt like it was, like, so obvious and kind of stupid that I couldn't give it a little bit higher. Also, like you said, it's just, you know, the lines aren't quite there yet. Another episode that takes entirely within the Taylor household, although we do get the basement setting. Budget-friendly. Budget-friendly. Definitely the show is definitely budget-friendly. I'm watching later seasons, and it's just such a stark comparison to like what they spend. Uh, I mean, you're getting like Wilson's house. Right. You get Al's house. You get, uh, I mean, you just get everything. Yeah. Like, you know, it just shows you the difference between a show in its first season and a show in its fourth season yeah, they, when it's already an established hit. Yeah, they definitely loosen the purse strings as the show goes along and give them more uh, chance to different, different locations, which adds different dimensions and, and good stuff. But, um, did you have any Hall of Fame moments from this? So this is tough. I, I don't think so. But I will say the snake moment where it goes down his shirt is definitely a moment that I remember pretty vividly in the show. I don't know, like, you know, if that makes it a Hall of Fame moment because, again, I do think it's a little corny. Um, and it's not, like, in the same realm as, like, the thing falling on Jill's car. Or Tim falling through the porta potty, um, you know, or any of that kind of thing. But it is kind of a memorable moment. I would say borderline. It's like, you know, how when the NFL comes out with their list and you're like, eh, that was pretty good. He had like seven or eight Pro Bowls. Yeah. yeah he had a pretty good career. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I'm, I'm with you. I wouldn't quite get it into the Hall of Fame. Um, I would say it is something that you definitely remember a visual of, um, but it doesn't, it's not one of those moments where it hits every time you watch it. Um, no. So yeah, I would say it's kind of uh, like the Don Mattingly of the world. Like it's, it was, <laughs> it was solid, but it's not a hall of fame. So not all of fame. Yeah. We got to be more straight. There's some hall of fame moments coming up in this season. Yeah. Um, for sure. Some ones that you and I have talked about. Um, not this episode coming up, but the one after for sure. Yeah. Um, but even, yeah, there's a lot of good ones coming up. Uh, so that makes me think, eh, not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, but close. All right. Close. Well, I'm good. Um, I'm glad we're cool. in agreement then. All right, good. We're in agreement here. Anything else from Wild Kingdom no. that you wanted to, to touch upon? No, I think um, uh, I think we, we cover all of our questions and observations. And um, up next, uh, Ventures and Fine Dining. Adventures about another kind of similar, you know, uh, focused on the the Taylor household. Uh, but what's good about this one is you get some more shine from the kids. You you don't get a ton of the hat, you know. Again, as we said, very much the Tim Taylor Tim Allen show here. Uh, but you do get a little bit more play from the kids in that episode. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh, for sure. Well, this was fun as usual. And uh, absolutely, my friend, I'm gonna go uh, earn my snake badge and kill some snakes. All right, hey, you go do that. I'm gonna uh, 
probably go to bed. So you have fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thank you so much, and uh, stay tuned for next time. See ya. Everyone gets set for tool time. Wrenches. Everyone gets set for tool time. Ratchets. Circular, 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 circular. Saw.